Thank you guys for having me this weekend. This has been incredible. I uh, just love and honor you guys. I go a lot of places. I've traveled the world and preached, and there's few places that I get to go to that it doesn't feel um, uh, like work. It's just like I'm at home, and it's it's. Uh, you guys have cultivated su such a special atmosphere of presence and glory, and um, it. I want to just remind you guys to not take for granted what you have every single week because this isn't happening everywhere. It's not happening everywhere. And oftentimes we can become so familiar with what is exceptional that it loses its exceptional value in our eyes because we become familiar with it. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to be a part of a prophetic revival community in that uh, you have such a powerful expression of God's presence and glory. But the danger is, is, is that it can become familiar, and if it becomes familiar to you, you lose access to actually what's right in front of you. Happened with Jesus himself. Jesus went to his own hometown, and they couldn't see him as the Son of God. They saw him as the carpenter's son. Therefore, the Bible says he couldn't perform certain miracles. There was, he was limited on what he can do. There was a lot of people that he prayed for that didn't get healed. Think about that for a minute. The son of God praying for someone to be healed and they don't get healed. Because it was the familiarity. They didn't see him appropriately. So I just want to remind you, I believe you do, but see this house right. See this house right. Don't take it for granted that we get to gather together in a place that has leaders. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm big on this. I don't care how amazing your leader is. But when you look behind the door of the home and you see years of faithfulness in his own marriage and then watching his children and grandchildren all surrounding that family, that's healthy leadership. You guys have that in Pastor Brent and his family. So we honor you, sir. Thank you. I want to talk to you this morning. Um, I'm not going to be long-winded. I've got a flight to catch here in just a little bit. Um, but I do feel like this word is really for this house this morning. Um, really for individuals that are in this body. You know, oftentimes we can go through life and not realize the um, ramifications, I'll say it that way, or fractures in our own soul based on our upbringings. I know for me, I, I didn't grow up in a home with, with a father that was uh, present, and uh, my, all of my family were military. They were um, either United States Air Force, United States Navy, United States Army, everyone in my family. That was kind of the expectation in my life, that they had that expectation that I would follow suit. Um, something happened to me, though. I just started to rebel against that system. I said, I'm not doing that. Went the way of the world pretty heavy and pretty deep, got saved, and um, immediately knew that I was called into the ministry. Well, that was not acceptable in my family at all because they were not saved. They expected me to follow suit and join the, the armed forces, and, uh, and I just didn't. My family, it created a, a big disconnect. Um, there was a lot of rejection that I felt from uh, my, my father, my grandfather, my um, aunts, and that, that, that my parents. So when I went down this road, um, this disapproval, of not really blessing me in what God has called me. And, and it did something to my soul that I didn't realize. Did something to my soul. There's a subtle fracture to my soul. How many of you know the soul is important? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. 
The soul is important. The soul makes up your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if the soul isn't healthy, it can actually affect how you lead in the spirit. You can be a highly prophetic individual functioning in the depths of the spirit, but if you have a fractured soul, um, oftentimes what you'll do is you'll see people project that soulish wound through something pure in the spirit, and it does not translate well. See this with uh, people that have soul wounds and fractures that are in ministry, and they project their pain onto people without even realizing it. What this goes down to, and I'm going to walk you through scripture this morning, and I want to talk to you about the power of blessing. The power of a blessing. I'm not talking about a blessing over your meal. I'm not talking about praying over your food. I'm talking about the power of a blessing spoken over your life and how it has the ability to change everything in your world. Blessing, first of all, is such a misunderstood word. When we think of the word blessing, we think about financial needs being met, we would call that a blessing. We would call an uninterrupted day off a blessing. We would call driving with, I tease your pastor all the time about this, driving with him in his Tesla, battery-powered spaceship, we would call it a blessing when his radar goes off and we don't get a speeding ticket. We would say that's a blessing, right? We would say it's a blessing when someone hands us a check for money. We would, we would say it's a blessing when we get a raise or a promotion. We would say it's a blessing that we get that vacation once a year. Basically, in our culture, whenever life pleases us, we call it a blessing. We even, we even take it a little bit further. There's some uh, just old tradition. When someone sneezes, what do we say? God bless you. Do you know, you know where that came from? Where that actually came from is in the old days, there was this weird thinking that when someone sneezed, they felt like their soul would open up, and in that one moment, they would have demons enter their soul, so people would pronounce blessings over them so that demons wouldn't enter, and hence, we still do this today when we sneeze, God bless you. So, I hope you're asking at this point, so what is a real blessing? And what difference does it actually make in someone's life? What is a blessing? Well, the word bless in Hebrew is barak, which means a good word. That's what it means. A good word. A good word. A good short definition of blessing, I like to say, is the empowerment to prosper. This is why we do baby dedications. It's a it's not just a symbolic thing we do on Sunday morning to welcome new life. No, it is, it is declaring a good word, a blessing, the, and, and that a blessing over that child gives in the spirit empowerment to prosper. In this context, it isn't financial per se, but rather successfulness in life and the ability to thrive in every area of your life. Jesus came to redeem when he said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. When a father blesses a child, what he's doing is he's placing his seal of approval on them and giving them the power to prosper 
in every area of their life. This is why this was so important in Jewish culture. The blessing of the Father meant everything. It wasn't just a social sign, a social status. It, they understood this blessing determines whether I prosper in life or not. There's something deep that hits the soul, deep that hits the heart when a father would bless a son. This happened to Jesus. We even see this in Jesus' life. We see it in Jesus' life through priests at his, at his dedication. We also see it in Jesus' life when he's baptized by John at 30 years old, and he's baptized in the Jordan River. And what happens? The Father in heaven pronounces a blessing over his son. This is what he said. This is my son in whom I'm fully pleased. The Father spoke that over Jesus before he performed one miracle. He spoke that over Jesus before he healed the sick, raised the dead, or cleansed the leper. But what that was, it was the empowerment from a father so he could step into his divine destiny. We think about Mary. I want to just uh, add one more thing to this. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, when I think about blessing and how we get the word a little bit skewed in our culture compared to really what heaven's definition of blessing is. Mary, the mother of Jesus, angel visits her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. You are blessed, more blessed than any other woman on the planet. Right? You ever read that? But it didn't come with houseboats, cars, and money. You're blessed, Mary. Oh, but by the way, you're going to have to run for your life because Herod's going to try to kill your son, but you're blessed. Oh, and you're going to have this rumor about you and the whole community is going to think you're a, you're a whore, and, 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 but you're blessed. And you know what? You're not going to have any room at the end, and I don't think that wasn't because there was any room at the end. There was probably room at the end. It was because of the stigma that followed her, and they said, no, we don't want you in our inn. So you're going to have to give birth to your son in a manger next to donkeys and next to goats and next to sheep, but you're blessed. When we understand the power of blessing, we understand that it's not what I have in my hand, it's what I have on the inside of me. Mary didn't have much in her hand, but what she was carrying was eyes for Bartimaeus on the inside of her belly. What she was carrying was life for Lazarus coming out of the tomb inside her belly. What she was carrying was salvation for all humanity. It wasn't about what she had on the outside. It was about what she carried on the inside that made her a blessed woman. When God blessed Adam and Eve through his words, he wasn't doing it for the sake of doing it. God's words of blessing became a divine download of essential affirmations that empowered them to thrive in their calling as general managers of the earth. The difference in their lives can be drastically seen after the devil stole their blessing. We see this in Genesis, Genesis 3. The, the, the difference in their lives with the affirmation of God's empowerment through blessing and what the enemy stole and now wrong identity comes in and they don't know who they are and they don't know that they're loved and they don't know have the affirmations of the Father again. You can see drastic differences in their life. And we see this. Adam and Eve's relationship with God was immediately hampered by shame and fear. They lost their peace. Conflict entered their marriage. Conflict entered their marriage. 
and it was spread like a disease into all human relationships, beginning with their own children, Cain and Abel. This was the beginning of what we would call a generational curse imparted into humanity. You know, today we see the same symptoms magnified in our family relationships until we receive the blessings of God in a spoken word manner over us. We are also left without solid answers to major questions at key thresholds in our life. If I had time, I would go into that. This message is actually about a seven-week series. You're getting basically the first introduction to this this morning. There's key thresholds in every person's life. Actually, seven key thresholds. Number one is conception. There is power, because life begins at conception, there's power in words when you find out the very most important uh, I guess revelation you ever have is the fact that when a woman gets pregnant, what you say in that moment matters. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being comical, but what you say matters. Not that you're going to be in the doghouse with her, but that is a living being on the inside that recognizes and the power of words spoken matter. One of the things we do in our ministry when we find out someone's pregnant We like to take a ministry team and we start speaking life and blessing over that baby. And we we speak to the baby in the womb that may not understand English, but it's spirit to spirit. And that blessing is causing that child to begin to develop and thrive. I've done this over all of my children. I would lay my hands on Nikki's belly and I would declare over them, you are blessed, you are loved, you are welcome in this world. I've also watched families that get the shock of pregnancy and um, families that really don't understand spiritual matters that that the shock of it the worry the fear overtakes them and they start saying things like I really don't want this baby and I've watched the fruit of that the negative fruit of that as children have come into the world immediately dealing with rejection immediately dealing with shame and fear immediately having problems as they grow up into adolescence and it takes someone standing in the gap saying we're going to break that and we're going to affirm you from what the Lord says heaven's perspective and we're going to declare no you are blessed and you are wanted there's seven seasons I don't have time to talk about it but conception's one the birth is one I'll tell you, there's another one. The final season is, is, is the elderly, the last stage in life. And what that question asks is, am I still wanted here? No matter what age you are this morning, whether you're a newly born child or you are an elderly and you are in the last season of your life, it is important to have at every transitional season a blessing spoken over you. It does something to the inner man. It causes you to thrive. So we see that this generational thing came in with, through Adam and Eve into Cain and Abel. And, um, you know, we're, this topic on generational curses, really with this subject, is really the only time I would even really get into it this deep because, um, well, let me just ask you the question. Can a saved person have one? Let me answer you the question. Yes, they can. They can. Wait, but didn't Jesus on the cross deal with all curses? that were placed on him? Let me answer that one for you. Yes, he did. What that means is Jesus made provision for you. Provision. 
It's like Jesus wrote the check, but if you never take it to the bank and cash it, you're a rich person, but an ignorant person. (laughs) He made provision for us, and a lot of people are walking in these generational strongholds because they don't step into the provision. Part of that provision is receiving the affirmation of the Father's love through the words of, the, of, of heaven and of the Father over your life. Let me give you some examples, biblical examples. David's sons. We see David's son, Solomon. And these biblical definitions of how through a generational lineage, strongholds began to manifest even greater in the next generation. I like to say it this way. One generation's compromise leads to the next generation's captivity. So you have David, and David has this incredible like heart after God. We all know that. The Bible says that. If you look at his life, it's kind of like, well, we probably wouldn't follow him in today's context of leadership. You know, you sleep with your associate pastor's wife, murder her husband, you know, probably leaving that church, huh? <laughs> but God didn't leave David. David had a, was a man after God's heart, but David never dealt with some things deep down. David had a lust issue. He had a lust, lust issue. He'd take all these wives for him. He wasn't satisfied with just one. He had to have all these women, all these wives. And David, you know, even his, his great sin that we all talk about with Bathsheba, he should be at war, but he's, he's sunbathing on the roof and he sees a beautiful honey over there swimming in a pool. And he, theologians believe, would have practically raped her. This would not have been consent. He's the king and you can't say no to him. But his lust was driving him. Years later, David, we know David never dealt with this because there's a scripture that says when they thought David was about to die, they thought he was dead. This is what they did. Is he dead? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. He's breathing shallow. Ah, I got an idea. Go get a young handmaiden, put her in the bed with him, and let's see what happens. Brother came alive. Nope, he's not dead yet. You see, David never dealt with that, so what did it do? It manifested in the life of his son Solomon. Solomon, incredible wisdom, incredible spirit of wisdom on his life, did incredible things, but you see his need, his lust for so many women around him. He'd take wives. So many wives, not even enough days in a year to be with each one of them. Solomon didn't deal with this issue, and so what happened to Solomon? David didn't deal with this issue, and it manifested in the life of his kids. We also see another one of David's sons, Amnon, who raped Tamar. David's son, it was so strong in his life, the perversion, he rapes his own sister. One generation's compromise leads to the next generation's captivity. The goal of the believer should be free to grab the provision made from the cross to be free from every generational curse and receive what I call and believe so much more in are generational blessings. You know, I've asked God, Lord, generational blessings that have skipped my father, my grandfather, maybe they go way back thousands of years. Lord, let those generational blessings fall on my life. Let me walk in them. Let my children walk in them even greater than I have. I see this modeled so well here in this house with the Borthwick family. I mean, I see this so well presented with the family that leads you every single week, with with children that want to be with mom and dad. 
serving in the house of the Lord. I see it so well with even spiritual children in this house that want to serve with mom and dad, that work together, walking in generational blessing. To really grab this and to really receive this in our life, we have to understand the real power of words. Words have power. Before we can really understand the full measure and weight of a spoken blessing, we have to understand what words actually can do and how powerful they are. Your words carry weight. They carry authority. They create reality. Many people never walk in blessings due to the words that are spoken over them and words that they continually speak over themselves. Am I free to say whatever I want to say this morning? You sure? Okay. Okay, we're going to find out. So, so, and I don't mean to be vulgar. I want to say this in the way that, that it was said in a meeting that um, really helped me understand this. I was in a meeting. I'm not going to name who they are. Very influential worship leader and, and uh, one of my spiritual fathers is very influential in the body of Christ. That's not important. But there was this youth gathering years ago. Years ago. Actually, I will tell you the worship leader because it'll make sense. His name was Rick Pino. It'll make sense when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. He comes over to the leadership. He's leading worship. There's a thousand kids. And he says, hey, I got this word. Can I share it? It's for someone in the room. And they trust him. They said, sure. He grabs the mic. He goes to the front. And he said, this is the word of the Lord for someone in this room. You are not an asshole. Am I okay? It's going to say that on the screen, isn't it? The leadership were over there going, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. He doesn't say it once. He says it three times, four times, five times. They're losing their mind. All of a sudden, this 13-year-old boy with tears streaming down his face made his way down to the front. And he said, my dad has called me that every day since I can remember. And butthole would not have hit his heart. A-hole would not have hit his heart. Come on, we got to get out of our religiosity a little bit. And it was the word of the Lord. And that young boy walked down and he said, that's all I've heard. And that's what I believed about myself. And freedom came. And they started pronouncing blessing over his life and telling him who he is in Christ Jesus. Words create so much weight. I can relate to that little boy because that was my story most of my life. Words spoken over me. Parents that were broken, not knowing how to raise me right, out of their own wound, disciplining me, speaking things out of how they were raised. They didn't know any better. It just is what it was. It wasn't until I got joined and connected with spiritual fathers in my life that slowly over time, they would pronounce blessing and what heaven is saying over me, that it began to untether my soul and free me from wrong thinking about who I really was. Dads, most of you in this room, you're an older generation. You come from the era where your father never told you he loved you. Because you just don't do that in that generation. My dad, very rarely. My grandfather, he, he was never told by his dad he was loved. 
That was the era. That was the generation. You just don't do that. What I tell young men now and I tell fathers now, I don't care how old your son is, every opportunity you get, decree over them, I love you. What that does to a soul, what that does to a heart, it unlocks and it gives permission of value that gives them the ability to prosper in life. The confidence of knowing you're loved. The confidence that I have someone in my corner. The confidence that my dad is with me. My son knows he's loved. I remember some uh, little punk kid was picking on him at the playground. And... uh, And he was getting aggressive with him, and Judah came home, and he's telling me about it, and he's frazzled. And I'm, I'm in the recliner. I slammed down the recliner. I was like, where's he at? Let's go get him. <laughs> Jumped in my big Dodge pickup truck that you got to get a running start to get up in. I cranked up that diesel, and off we went. <laughs> Judah jumped out of that truck. He's, there he is, Dad. Judah jumped out first, boat out, knowing that Dad is right behind him. <laughs> I came over to that kid. I said, let me tell you something. And I just got on to him. You don't talk like that. You don't be a bully. You know, I'm going to find out where you live and tell your mom. (laughs) That kid was something else. He looked at me and he goes, I don't care what you have to say. My dad owns this town. Jumped off the playground and ran off. I was like, right, your dad owns this town. I'm I'm involved in all the childhood drama. Look at that. But, but, (laughs) But it was important that my son knows I will defend him. I will be his defender. I'll be his defender even when he's wrong publicly. Now, I'll deal with it privately. Words carry weight. They carry authority. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 says this. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Words create reality. There's some of you that haven't stepped into financial breakthrough because you've lived in poverty most of your life and maybe your parents have and you speak over yourself. This is just how it's going to be. I'll never be, I'll never be wealthy. I'll never, I, I'll, I'll just get by. I know someone that they struggle with sickness all the time and it's, a lot of it is because they always declare, I'm always sick. And what it does is it creates a reality in their world. It creates a stronghold in their thinking where they believe what they said and it empowers it to prosper. For years, scientists, physicists thought that the atom was the smallest matter or particle on the earth until a physicist named Brute Cork discovered inside the nucleus of an atom there were tiny vibrations inside, inside the atom, inside the nucleus. Just tiny vibrations. That's all that they are. Tiny vibrations. Where do vibrations come from? Sound. The world was framed by the word of the Lord. My voice is releasing vibrations into the atmosphere so that your ears can hear me. The Bible said God spoke and the world was. He created man and places breath, God's breath inside Adam. And that same breath that was blown into Adam, it wasn't blown into Eve, it was blown into Adam. And that same breath has multiplied Tens of billions of times throughout history, and we still carry the breath of God on the inside of us. The breath of God is on the inside of you. You're made in His image. And when you speak and the breath of God comes out, tailored with words that you declare, reality takes place. 
So when a father speaks a word over a child telling them how much of a failure they are and they're never going to amount to anything, those words with power and authority can create reality. When you're struggling with sickness all the time and you keep saying to yourself, man, I'm always sick, you're creating a reality. If you've never had a good career and you don't make ends meet, don't say I'm never going to have a good job. Speak life. Speak blessing. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Get out of your feelings. We need to begin to move in the opposite spirit and begin to bless everything that we touch. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm the lender and I'm not the borrower. I want you just to say this with me. My family is blessed. My business is blessed. My finances are blessed. My children are blessed. My friends are blessed. My city is blessed. My province is blessed. My nation is blessed. I'm going to fill some voids this morning in the heart and soul. If you've missed out on receiving a blessing, it's not too late. So many people that have never received a blessing over their lives by a father or mother has created voids in their soul. Maybe your parents are gone. Maybe they're here, but you have no relationship with them. Maybe they've passed. It's okay. God gives us a remedy. And the answer is a spiritual leader pronouncing a blessing in their place. You may say, I don't need that. I have God. doesn't work that way. God created certain transitions in our life and to receive blessings in each one of them. Let me show you what it looks like for a man who doesn't walk in a spoken blessing over his life out of Genesis chapter 27, 34. Genesis 27, 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me also, O oh my father. He knew that without a blessing, he would not have access to the rich storehouses of promises made to his grandfather Abraham. He knew that without the blessing, he would not prosper in spite of his talents. He also knew that the blessing Jacob received, Jacob would prosper despite his faults. And so he wept. A grown man, a hairy, manly man that goes out and kills all kinds of animals. That's what he says. He loved wild game. A grown man's man is weeping in a puddle of tears, crying bitterly. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are on the outside. This goes deeper. This is something deeper. This is something that every person 
on this planet has to have. And it's the blessing knowing they're loved, knowing that their father has affirmed them. And so he wept, rejected, and his lineage suffered, but Jacob's prospered. Can you come up here and play something? Who's our keyboardist this morning? Kevin married way up, by the way. <laughs> Does he really? He must be a prophet. <laughs> Kevin can handle it. Pastor Brent, come up here. Many have never had a father's blessing decreed over you. Fathers in this room, if you've never done this over your children, I want to encourage you to go home and do it. Maybe your child's running from the Lord. Maybe your child wants nothing to do with God. I'll tell you what they do want. They want you. For those of you that have never had a father's blessing and you see it manifest in your life, Pastor Brent's going to stand in the gap. I was going to do it, but I felt like during worship, the Lord said, have him do it. This is his house that he leads. It's going to go so much deeper with his voice than mine. He's a father in this region. He's a spiritual father to many in this room. What I'm going to ask you right now, I want to start with sons. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to hear the words of your heavenly father, the words of your earthly father, and the words of Pastor Brent all married together as this decree is spoken over you. Son, Justin, can you just stand? Son, Kevin, just stand. Every man in this house, if you could just stand. I want to just be a voice of your dad, of the Lord, to some of you, of a father. My son, you are not an orphan, but you are loved and valued by me. I bless you with the ability to prosper in all of your affairs, business dealings, finances, marriage, relationships, comings and goings. You are that You are that one that will live your life to bring much glory to your heavenly Father. God's hand will be on the necks of all your enemies and cause them to even be at peace with you. The scepter of righteousness will never leave your hands. The rod that buds forth will be in your family to a thousand generations 
and you will be a well of life that springs forth in dry times. All that you put your hands to will prosper and it will be a nourishing bread to many and they too will become rich in the Lord. May your days be filled with long life and supernatural health and strength from the presence of the Lord. I bless you to be a great speaker who does not flatter, but speaks truth that is received. I bless you with a heart that forgives quickly and is not easily offended. May mercy continually be in your heart. I bless you with the ability to have a solid relationship with your family and be a nurturer as well as a strength and a sure foundation. May the marketplace open up to you as you take ownership in this realm and may you treat those who come into your hands as Christ would. May you love your wife as Christ loved the church seeking her very best at any cost. I bless you to be a man of integrity and a man of faithfulness. I say over you that you are blessed going in and you are blessed going out. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are a man of God, a man of faith, and will be known in the earth as a repairer of the breach and a restorer of paths to dwell in. You will be guided by the Lord continually and will be like a watered garden whose waters do not fail. I bless you. I bless you, almighty men. If the men could sit, every woman, would you please stand to receive a father's blessing? I've already asked the Lord that my voice is just a mouthpiece. I speak this to my daughters and spiritual daughters. Daughters, you are not an orphan, but you are loved and you are valuable and you are beautiful. You are wanted and you are received. I bless you today with the ability to prosper in all of your affairs, business, dealings, finances, marriages, and relationships, as well as your comings and your goings. I say over you that you will have long life and be very fruitful. You will bring much glory to your heavenly Father by loving Him and serving Him faithfully. The Father's hand will guide you and lead you all the days of your life. 
The hand of the Lord will be on the necks of all your enemies and even cause them to be at peace with you. You are she whom many will praise for the glory of God. Your children and your children's children will worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I bless you to be a nurturer and a lover of the unlovable. I bless you to support the decisions of your husband as he diligently seeks your very best daily through his relationship with Jesus. I bless you to be a Proverbs 31 wife, solid in your foundation together. I decree over you that the captain of the hosts of angels will be with you and with the fruit of your womb. I bless you with the rich blessings of Christ. You will be able to forgive quick and not hold a grudge, but be tender and compassionate to all mankind. You are a joy. You are full of life. And I bless you, daughter. I bless you, daughter. In the name of the Jesus that we serve, the living Christ, the Lord and the Savior. I bless you. I bless you. feet come on let's sing this over our family generations our houses will be known as generational households that worship the Lord come on
Father, thank you for being a good, good Father. Thank you for being a Father to the fatherless. Thank you that it has been declared that we are no longer orphans. We are no longer slaves. We are the righteousness of Yahweh in Christ Jesus. Father, untether us from the rejection this morning. Untether us from the wounds. Untether us from the fractures in our soul. And we pray today, God, that there has been an establishing of who we are in your sight. That we are blessed. We are the blessed of God. Say this with me. I am blessed. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Parents, when you pick up your kids this morning, I want you to look at them in the eye and tell them, I love you and you are blessed. Your children don't have to deal with the generational things that maybe you did. It's not going to come by reading more of the Bible, although that has its place. You can, you can do all the church things, but if you, as a father, more importantly than a mother, as a father who is called to speak identity into your children. That'll do far more for your children than anything you can do on the planet. I can fix every problem in Canada if I would put a legitimate father that is present in every single home. Amen. Altar team, you guys come on up. Altar team, come on up. Listen, if God's doing something in your heart, which I see he is, as Pastor Brent was reading those declarations, there was tears I was watching stream down so many faces. And that's good. What that is, is it's a sign that you're receiving the healing that God has given to you. That's okay. Let those tears flow. If God is still doing something in your heart, invite you to come pray with our team in just a moment as we close. I'm going to turn over to Pastor Brent. If you need prayer for anything else, if you're sick in your body, there's a prayer team here that is anointed that will touch and agree and help you. Amen. Pastor Brent, thank you guys. Thank you, Winward. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Pastor Brent.